0: My guest today is Laura Cortese. Laura is a Grammy-nominated songwriter, singer, fiddler, just an ultra-talented musician and artist, and we have such an awesome conversation today about where her music comes from and how she threads together darkness and light, reflection and movement, just a really fun one. I had the good fortune of working briefly with Laura and her partner, Kristen Andreasson, who I hope also to get on the show someday, uh, around their work with something called Miles of Music, which is this incredible, basically a summer camp for adults who love music. It's awesome. I think it speaks to what makes Laura so special, which is her capacity to bring people together and have them make something greater than the sum of their parts. So her band, The Dance Cards... Every player of her band is in their own right incredible. And the music they make together, just, it's hard to pin down, but it's really special. Incredible vocal harmonies, uh, deep-rooted melodies from Appalachian folk music, Celtic folk music, infused with the energy and danceability of pop, just kick-ass stuff. And what's more... Laura's newly born baby, who we'll call Baby Cortesi for the sake of privacy, joins us on this podcast interview. It was my first interview um, with a, a working parent who is in the COVID times attempting to juggle the complexity of both showing up for her art and her career, and also showing up for her loved ones. And this conversation is a masterclass and how to do that well. So... You'll get to hear some of her songs, including the one that's playing right now, sprinkled throughout, and stick around to the end to hear one of her songs in its entirety. You won't regret it. All right, let's get settled in (sighs) and hear what Laura and her amazing music has for us. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Wonder Dome.
1: Hey Andy, thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> it's great to have you, and this will this will be my first official interview with uh, with a third party here. So, you know, if she needs to weigh <laughs> in at any point, just we'll welcome her to do so.
1: I love that. Love that. Yeah. I might yeah. actually need to weigh her. That's that's the break that we might take. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it is so cool to see. I mean, you know, we were talking before we started recording, and and we just had our second. second kid he's now three uh almost four months old actually wow and it's really fun to see you stepping into this world
1: (laughs) yeah with a little five week old
0: five weeks my gosh yeah
1: I think that's where we are now today's Monday so she was born on a Monday and I think this is the yeah five
0: weeks (laughs) oh my gosh that is so cool that is so cool I wonder um you know, one thing that is really alive for me is is the which shi- which I'm noticing shifts kind of depending on the phase. So you're in like a really early and tender yes. phase, yes. And, and I honor that. But like one question that's alive for me is this: is this how do we be fully present as parents and really like show up as parents, but also mm. not lose touch or be fully present with? whatever we see ourselves as, our creative self, our artistic self. And you, you know, I I found my way to you because you are in my, in in the worlds that I orbit in, you are sort of a shining light for creativity (laughs) and artistry. I mean, you really have just, you have, have done so much not only to cultivate your own craft as a songwriter and a musician, but also to build these communities of, of music and listener you know, and there's, a, there's at least two coming to mind, the, the Boston Celtic Music Festival, Miles of Music. Mm-hmm. There are probably others. So how are you, like, living with that now that you have this new life who's literally attached to you? Right? Attached <laughs> yeah. to me right
1: now, yeah. It's Well, I have to say, it's it's interesting because I always imagined taking a, a small pause. And by, what I mean by small pause is, uh, you know... I knew she was um, due in October and that was a natural pause in my touring schedule anyways, and didn't really plan on, on doing much. Um, although I, I got asked like about the same time I realized I was pregnant. I was, I got asked to do something in Australia in December between Christmas and new year, you know, and I was like, are we going to do this? Like, I've been wanting this opportunity for like six years, like, okay, we're going to do it and we'll see what happens. Um, but in, of course once COVID came, I, there was a lot of sort of that this, this thing you're talking about, how do you stay present in your daily life while staying present in your creativity, your career, you know, whatever your passions are. COVID was a real shift for that because all of a sudden this time period that was going to be devoted to, career passions releasing a new album was I was all of a sudden just at home yeah. a pregnant lady at home <laughs> like huh uh, I made this whole album and what's going to happen so this period that we're in now I had kind of always planned on just being learning what it was like to be a mom and, and figured I'd restart those creativity questions in like February in Belgium where I live they have very affordable daycare. Um, So like, and when I say affordable, I mean like maybe extra affordable because of COVID. Um, But as of February 1st, she can go to a daycare across the street. That's like only got four other kids run by the city four days a week. And I'm close enough to continue to breastfeed and, and Mm. to, you know, it's all, it's all really amazing but it will also mean that hours every day, I have space to do something. <laughs> Anything <laughs> other than, other than be a mom. So, so this moment, I, I am shocked sometimes, you know, some, a friend will write me a letter and I'll think, Oh, it would be so nice to sit down and write them a letter back, but it'll just have to wait till February. Or um we did play my partner, Bert and I, he's also a musician, plays accordion. We did one night when she was, Sleeping, we just like took out our instruments and played for a half an hour, and that was really fun. Um, But I have always thought, I have no idea what being a mother is going to be like. I know that I will always want to, like, I love travel, I love touring. I don't see a huge shift happening. I have a lot of friends who really do a rebalancing when they become a mother. Mm -hmm. But um, I think for us, we're planning on small adjustments you know, a little bit less touring or a little bit shorter, uh, maybe more frequent jaunts, this kind of thing. And just assuming it'll constantly shift to adjust to what the full family's needs are. But we're in this moment now of like, stop, focus Mm. on baby. Mm. And and I have no idea. I don't really know what's going to come next, but I have projects in mind to start in February and I have, you know, I'll be fully honest. I don't yet have the urge to be creative. I'm like actually pretty darn satisfied with learning about my little being and mostly focused on sleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally resonate with that. Yeah. There's something in, in there around this idea of actually being at peace with like, this is, this is the time where I'm doing this, whatever this is in this case for you, it's like to, to be a, a, a parent and a partner and to just learn about this little life.
1: Yeah. And and a new family. Like, I mean, you mentioned my partner, like I would say one of the things you don't probably, I mean, we did talk about it a little bit um, beforehand. Like we would joke, Oh, you know, that thing you're growing inside you is going to be, you know, more, we're each going to love that being more than we love each other. And I was like, I don't know if it's more, I think it's different, you know, like, (laughs) and we would constantly have these little things back and forth, but, Literally the second she was born and they put her on my chest, the gynecologist who was there was like, you've just birthed your greatest competition (laughs) (laughs) for like the attention of of your partner. And I was like, I I thought it was hilarious. And we had been cracking jokes like the whole day. But I think other mothers might be like, "What are you talking about?"
0: <laughs> totally! Wow, and, that's so funny. I love that your gynecologist underlined that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like so. You so we're we're not only figuring out what it's like to be parents, but also adjusting to what it's like to be a partner to a parent instead of a partner to just I don't know, just to your partner. Um, like the like, what is it like to be a family? And I will say that. Kind of like you said, we're just taking a pause to like, you know, this is the moment to figure this out and the other stuff will come back. You don't want that. You don't want to leave it dormant for too long. Mm. Um, but also I find that I, I generally work in creativity in bursts like that. I really sink in to a thing that I'm excited about. Mm. Um, and it's. I wouldn't say it's all consuming, but I, I give as I give as much extra energy as I can. It's the focal point for the moment, and then it, it comes to a point of completion, and then I'm focused on something else. So to also think, it's not that I'm going to come to a point of completion. <laughs> oh, my baby's eight weeks old, complete. But um,
0: <laughs> Did but that it but, check <laughs>
1: check. But that initial phase um, where where the learning curve is is incredibly steep. Um, and you just, you're that, that huge shift hopefully will be a little bit under our belt and, and having the support of like a daycare, like this kind of thing will allow, like kind of cap off that period. But it's the same thing if I'm, you know, working on an album, I'll, you know, devote a period of time or a retreat or several retreats or, Mm. you know, this is my focal point for right now is, and of course there's, there's a little burst of creativity that happened in between that larger project where you just feel creative one day, or you're like, Oh, I haven't been creative in a while. I'm going to try to write a song a day this week. Or, you know, there's little things that I do in the, in the periods in between, but, but it's often sort of marked by these larger focused blocks that I've set aside to do a specific thing.
2: Sometimes I sit quietly. Listen to the wind when the feet he's slipping. Your voice comes drifting on the breeze that's blowing in. How long can I hold you in my ease? How long?
0: How long is it just obvious that it's time for the next album or it's time for the next big project? Or is there, is there sort of a, a a building sense of like, Oh, I've got it one song and now I have another. And suddenly like you've, mm-hmm. it's accumulated to the point where you're like, I have to record it. Like what is that process like where you realize you're ready to yeah. do one of those big chunks of, of creativity? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's sort of a, um, you're, in terms of like my career version of it, as opposed to just like, there's, I think there's two, two streams. Like there's the, what I would do naturally. As, as in terms of my own needs for a creative output, like to feel satisfied as artist human. And then there's need for creative output for career,
3: mm. which
1: has its own rhythm and cycle and is more related to like the capitalism of <laughs> marketing. And, and, yeah. and there's, a, and that, I would say that model is shifting a lot. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of I don't know when it was, but sometime in lockdown when Spotify came out that like the two year album cycle is dead. People need to put out music more frequently, you know, and there was all these artists on various platforms, social media platforms being pissed at Spotify and, (laughs) you know, um, and the, the CEO for saying that. And, you know, for me, because I am both, I will always be a creative person. I have been a creative person as long as I can remember and I also make my career out of being a creative person. So I'm constantly mm-hmm. trying to connect those two things and find where they um, intersect. So I would say my career, my big career period is like Laura Cortese and the dance cards. We put out an album in, uh, I think it was released in spring 2017.
0: Is that and California calling?
1: California calling, or it was fall mm. 2017? Fall 2017,
0: fall 2017.
1: Mm. is that true? <laughs> Gosh, I just don't even remember. I could go look at the physical product.
0: Yeah, but but a couple <laughs> like about about two two and a half years ago something. About
1: like that. two and a half years ago, and then um, we had planned on on releasing our newest album, Bitter Better, in spring 2020, and we ended up delaying it till summer we put it out in July.
0: Um, so good, by the way.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so coming to the conclusion that it was time to make a new album there was, I mean, we had definitely come to the end of our, of our cycle of what we could do with California calling. We had promoted it, the places we could promote it. We had toured all the places we could tour. Um, and the attention was like off of us a bit, but I also, um, found out that, or found out I, we decided me and my partner decided to make like our relationship very official and that I would immigrate to Belgium. Mm. Mm. And in, in order to do that, you have to stay there for six months, which is the longest I've ever stayed in one place. Oh, you know, wow. <laughs> I
0: didn't Since. realize that. Yeah.
1: Since I went to, let's say, you know, since I graduated college, yeah. um, I mean, I lived in places. I for I lived in Boston for 18 years, but I was constantly touring. So the idea that I would literally just be in our city or driving distance from there, within this country's boundaries, for um, you know, Belgium is a very small country, like the size of a state. uh, You for six months in order to get my residency here. That was kind of a surreal idea, but it was what was necessary. And so I, I called the label and called my band and I said, we're going to make a new album when I'm there. Mm. And that was in um, sort of like winter, spring 2019. And I was calling them in June. So like six months or so before this had to happen. And you know, everyone was a little bit like, are you sure? Like, like, what does that even mean? Where can you record with who? Like it was a little bit intangible for everyone. And I was saying that I was going to do it, you know,
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're doing it. Not sure how it's happening. Exactly.
1: So, but that, for me, that was, I was saying that in June, I was calling everyone. I realized this had to happen. So then between sort of June and and October, November, I, I had time to, to kind of write as many songs as I could think of, think about who I wanted to produce it. Um, And by the fall, I I had done a lot of exploration on producers and decided to go with the same producer as California Calling, uh, Sam Kassir, who I absolutely adore working with. And then he and I could could sort of really start to envision, like, what was this album going to be? And between um, sort of then, November and February, I did another little, like, kind of strong block of, of writing. And then February and April, another big chunk of writing Mm. um, to get ready, you know, but that was, so that was like the intersection of like, I have promoted a thing as long as I can promote it. But also I have this time and space where I could devote, I'm going to be in one place. Like I could just devote that to writing new material and be creative. And I had, when, when Sam and I talked in the fall and, um, about what kind of album I wanted, I had given a lot of thought all to that point about what, what do I want the next album to be? It was more of a, uh, not exactly a concept, but not, not like a concept album, but that like, when someone goes out to a show in this world that we're currently in, and this is, of course, the world has only gotten more um, visibly complicated, let's say. <laughs> um, but... I was like, I really want a show to be a place where if we're confronting people with complicated ideas, they get a chance to regain energy to do the good work that they need to do in the world. And how are we going to create, like, what kind of album is going to do that and what kind of songs are going to do that? And I don't want to shy away from writing about difficult topics like losing a friend to cancer, but I also don't want it to just be a song about... Um, I want it to be a song that when someone walks away from it, they they actually have like a new bit of energy to, to face mm. the things that they need to face. So I had that idea of brewing, that. like, ah, oh, I want to do an album that does this. And then we gave it a bit of structure together that then I could focus and write towards. So, I mean, that's, that's a specific story about, about this album and how those things came to intersect. But I would say generally for me, it's like I have a con- I have concepts all the time bubbling in the back. And then I see a moment where it it feels right to do that um, in terms of a, of a commercial release mm. or, or the material mm. seems to align with my band. But if the material doesn't seem to align with my band or it doesn't seem to be exactly a commercial release, that doesn't mean I won't do it. it. It just, sometimes it helps to have that the two frameworks align together.
0: Right. And it you sounds like you have push. a sort of, you know, you kind of like see that pretty clearly because you've been doing the career for so long and the music for so long that when there's a natural alignment, you're like, there it is. Yeah.
1: yeah let's move it. And, and I have lots of ideas like bubbling in the back that like, oh someday I'd like to do blah and someday I'd like to do blah. And so it's a matter of like, oh, oh, this is that time. You know, this, I think this, I think we've arrived at this moment to do that.
0: <laughs> right. It's a mat, like be, being aware enough or tuned in enough to s- realize, oh, this is it. This is the moment where we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and I would say, like, um, it, it's nice for, at least for me. And I think if it's possible for someone else, if you have these kind of ideas in the back of your mind to not have like a lot of pressure about, okay, I have an idea and I will now do it. <laughs> But more like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm not going to tell myself it's worth doing or not worth doing. Mm. I'm just going to leave it Mm. as an idea that I'll fantasize about. Maybe I'll do it someday. I think it would be fun to do someday. But it's not like I will be incomplete unless I do that this year. (laughs) You know, it's if you have these ideas kind of just there and and breathing. You can come to, you know, you're in your most receptive state Whereas when you have, when you're really like, I have to do this, you're like more closed and tight and, and you're not as receptive to your own creative ideas.
2: I loved you once and I always will, but I know you get bitter, bitter like the coffee that you
3: my
2: Come on, treat Come on, treat
0: I love that there's permission to just stay in the flow as opposed to kind of force something
1: exactly which
0: which can create kind of actually can actually get right in the way of the very result that you think you want which is yeah. something that's really authentic and beautiful yeah but, I'm
1: saying that from a, as a person who times their writing sessions, like you know, I use a timer, but I, but those are two different things. Like, devoting 20 minutes to writing a song versus this song has to be a song I release on X project.
0: Mm, hmm. Yeah, it's almost like it sounds like you know when and where you need structure, yeah, and when and where you need just that that dynamic breathe, like the breathing of the idea to happen without. Yeah. There, is there something there, like I, do you, and maybe you, you encountered this in the past or maybe you've just seen it and that's why you've got this wisdom, but it seems like you're, it seems like at the highest level, at the level of your career and yourself, you are totally owning your identity as an artist and a musician. You're like, this is who I am. Sometimes I, sometimes I get paid for it. Other times it's just <laughs> what I need.
3: Mm-hmm. And when
0: those two line up, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. but it also sounds like you're not um, attaching too much of your self-worth like at the micro level of like, if I don't write this song or if I don't play at this show or if I don't like, there seems to be a lot more spaciousness at the level of day to day, even as you're really anchored in, in your identity. Is that Which right? I would
1: say is very much learned um, <laughs> like, or it came through um, some kind of maturity of or, or just realizing what makes me happy. Like I I distinctly remember, like I, I, uh, so I'm now a mother. I'm, I'm, I have a partner here in Belgium, uh, but, but I had a previous partner who I was married to. And I would say at that time I was much more like, I, I have to do this. I want to do this. I have, I want to get this far. I want to have this many people in the audience. I want it. Like Mm -hmm. I, I was really driving the career stick very Hard and I, I really felt um, stress and tension and pressure and and and, and visions of what would feel accompl- like as accomplishment. Um, but when that relationship ended and, and I got divorced, I was much more focused on regaining happiness um, mm. and finding joy again, which was just natural. Like you're going through this you know, crisis, catastrophic, emotional time. And so like career goals for me were like really not relevant. And just connecting back to moments of joy was the only thing I mm-hmm. had really attention for yet being on tour, like touring an album, you know, like I was still showing up to work every day, but <laughs> um, in my personal zone. So what I found during that time was like, wow, you know, gosh, I really love my life when I'm on tour in Europe. Now, is that because I'm escaping from Boston or is that because I never drive a car? I'm like always on a train. Is that because I eat croissants? Is that because I ride my bike? <laughs> is that because my friends um, seem to have a more balanced sense of of productivity versus pleasure? Mm. Like when, when the, at the end of the day, it's seven o'clock, they shut their computer and they're done. You know, like they really know how to show up and, be not career driven. And it's, you know, like, is it because the conversations aren't like, Oh, so hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? <laughs> you know, like where the job is defining the person, you know? Yeah. So it, it was a lot of thought about what that was. And then coming back to Boston off tour and saying like, how do I make my life look more like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm not going to use my car. I'm going to get a bike. um You know, if. <sighs> I'm going to close my computer at this time each day. I'm mm. going to, you know, how am I going to live like that more? Well, okay, I'm living like that more now, but gosh, I really like Europe. I'm going to spend more time in Europe. How, you know, I'm going to spend as much time as physically possible in Europe. Oops, I met a, a partner here. Okay. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I
0: then, guess I'm going to spend most of my time in Most Europe. of my time in
1: Europe. In fact, all of my time. No, but <laughs> uh, so, so, and then really getting to live here and and coming into that rhythm of where, um, you know, seeing people who like, let's say as a fiddler, um, cause I, I have my Laura Patase in the dance cards, I play the fiddle, I sing, but that's more of like indie pop, uh, post folk, whatever you want to call it, uh, original music. But I grew up out of this traditional community music fiddle world. And, and I do have a, a, an identity in both worlds that mm-hmm. intersect mm-hmm. in some ways, but one showcases more and one showcases, you know, one showcases more of one side and the other showcases more of another side, but some of the people who are like very famous in that fiddle world, who as a teenager, I would have been looking up to like, wow, they have made it.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, they have very grounded lives in their, where they live in, in, in some country in Europe, you know, that where they're not on the road all the time, but yet they've reached the the highest level of awareness in this tiny niche market. Um, and, they're, they're basically having a, a high level, a high standard of living um, where, where pleasure and, uh, you know, enjoying their life is a focus, but they're also known for, respected for doing their creative thing. Mm. They're not mm. selling, you know, Billie Eilish level of albums, <laughs> you know what I mean, or having that level of streams. But for the people that care about their work, they're the top. Yeah. and to kind of figure out what does accomplishment mean to me mm. and mm. and can i feel can I feel accomplished with um without you know, this sort of comparative how many streams have you know, mm. you, you still, you do have to focus on more people hearing your music. You know, it's not to say that, that you don't have those goals, but to separate that from self-worth and have, have other markers of being like, actually, I accomplished this. I made the album I wanted to make. It's it. We, we made it as a team. Um, everyone co-wrote, like having these, these goals that are high creative goals for myself that we did accomplish that are true, no matter how many people choose yeah. to stream the album.
3: Yeah. And then,
1: you also have your business where you're like okay we spent this much money and now we're going to try to make that much back but that's that's more of like a business plan versus creative self-worth and that they're kind of too well they, yeah it, for me they're healthiest when they're two separate focuses and and where the business plan is not about my self-worth it's just about being a smart businesswoman and that you don't want to spend more than you than you make and or if you are spending more if, than you make you know why you're doing yeah. it for a specific goal um or this is a period of of um investment or whatever but that it's it's a conscious a conscious decision and it's not about um, i now belong in this field because right. i
0: because some, I reached a certain place on a chart or some magazine exactly. wrote something about me or exactly. whatever, which are all lovely exactly. things not to.
1: Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I also, this year I got, I was on the cover of strings magazine, you know, which yeah. as a, as a fiddle player is like kind of, that's, that's <laughs> the best, cool. that's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, but does that, does that mean that I am proud of my album? No, but I am also proud of my album.
0: Mm. Mm love that distinction i i get the sense that you sort of have a north star or maybe like a set of north stars that allow for the day-to-day stuff and the business stuff and the choices to fall naturally like oh i lo- i want to i want to prioritize community and comfort and connection and creativity over productivity but as a mm-hmm. result of of wanting those things in my life. I'm also very productive. I'm just productive on the things that I feel are in service of that as opposed to productive because everyone around me productive. And if I better keep going.
1: Exactly. And I, and I would say like, there's obviously when you, when you commit to collaborating with a record label, for example, you do sign on for a certain amount of productivity, a certain amount of devotion to the business things that they expect of you, you know? Um, But I find that a lot of us in the music world spend that amount of time that we need to, but we also spend a lot of time like festering or cycling or stressing or doing things that actually aren't contributing
3: in Mm. a fundamental
1: way, Mm. Um, which I am also guilty of that. It's not to say that I am not completely guilty (laughs) of that, but that I try to be conscious of that and try Try to um, try to see which things, whether that's through discussing it with my team, or um, discussing it with my partner, or just limiting the amount of hours I'm willing to devote to career. Like, kind of partitioning. Like, no, it has to be completed in this number of hours, or I won't have a life there. If and my life mm. is more important to me than my mm. career, so. What can be done? What is the most effective thing that can be done in this amount of time?
3: Mm, mm. And,
1: you know, so it's not to say that you don't, there aren't going to be days where you have to sit behind your computer and just do some annoying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that you're like, you're not just letting it take over your whole life. You're yeah. you're saying, what what percentage of my life should this really take? And what is the most effective thing I can do to reach my goals?
0: Yeah, there's a one of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman shared that at a point when his career started to really reach a a, a place where he was making a living just as a writer, mm-hmm. there was a trap there and that he sort of looked up one day and realized like, I've now become a guy who mostly responds to emails (laughs) because there's just such a volume of relationship relationships to manage and fans to talk to and the publishing house, which is, you know, analogous to the record label and like all of this, suddenly you're not just a person alone in your room being creative. Now you are, you're interconnected with all of these other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, like this, if you're having success, there's a lot of people who are asking for your attention Yeah, and and so I think there's, there's actually, there's like the idea, like you could, you could be this, I, so, so one of my uh, friends and bandmates was messaging me the other day and I wrote me a letter actually. I was like, I, you know, when I decided to move here, because she recently moved, um, she's like, I, I really was planning on spending time on writing, but I've had some musical opportunities and I'm, and I'm having these, these social opportunities and, I'm not really making time for writing. And so I'm wondering if I should say no to these musical opportunities in order to make time for writing. Mm. This mm. is like this, you know, sort of, I would say rhetorical question that she asked in this letter um, that she will, you know, she's not asking me to call her and tell her what to do, but she, <laughs> but she's, she's going to try to figure out the balance for herself. Um, like when you're at that phase of beginning a creative endeavor, you're, you're focused on, um, how do I, um, you know, what is it, what do I need? What kind of space do I need to create to, to foster this in myself? And, and maybe it's your, there's two creative things that you're balancing against each other or a day job that you're doing that you're mm-hmm. balancing against that. Whereas when you actually have success from your, your true creative thing, it's like, all day long, I'm talking about the thing that I love, but am I doing it? And and Mm so that creates like a different kind of, um, balancing. But I think in both cases, it's not like, you're not going to say, Oh, I'm not going to respond to any of these emails about X, but you do in both cases have to carve out like, what is the time of day that I can devote to or, you know, should <laughs> air quotes devote to <laughs> to my actual art and and let's say you're between books or something. For me in Belgium, what I love is that if I wake up in the morning here, everyone is asleep in the U.S. Whereas where my whole mm. you know in business is kind of oriented, I can absolutely get up in the morning and write a bit or play my fill a little bit. I mean, all's a bit different with a baby, but. I potentially have this space where I uninterrupted space. Mm. And then, you know, if once I open my computer, now I know what I have to answer in terms of business, but I can choose to keep that computer closed until I've spent 30 minutes or something doing my creative thing. Honestly, if I spent 30 minutes a day doing my creative thing, when I woke up, the times that I've chosen to do that and done that, my creative output goes up. Yeah. It's it's not to say that every day, every 30 minute block is su- a successful creative output, but over the course of a month, you have something to show for yourself and, and you're not being nagged by, but it, you know what you have to do today. Now I have this time zone barrier that allows me to do that, you know, and <laughs> But on, on the other end, for me, like when I shut my computer, I have to shut my computer. I have to make a conscious effort because everyone starts to wake up when I'm mm. winding down and I have to go like, nope, not going past this point. And but but it's so creating those boundaries of like, how, how much time am I going to spend on my other creative things? How much time am I going to spend fostering this new creativity or how much time am I going to spend tending to the popularity that I have garnered for my creative thing?
2: Yeah
0: love that there uh and amidst all of that i want to underline the power of 30 minutes of creative time right like there's oh yeah there's i think uh, a hill that a lot of people s- get stumble on when when they say okay i'm gonna write a song or write a book or just do anything creative is that they try it for 30 minutes once and nothing really happens
1: yeah 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 and you're like, <laughs> damn. <sighs>
0: And they, so, but there's just like, do it, do it for a month. And suddenly you've put in how many ever hours that is, but there's also something cumulative there, right? Like the 30 minutes you did yesterday is at the very least kind of compost for the 30 minutes you're going to do the next Oh,
1: I like that compost. I have never thought of it that way, but for me, yeah, it's like, it's in your brain the rest of the day.
0: You, I want to talk to you about, um, about bitter, better. And yeah, I wonder if maybe we could, could enter into it from this, st- this statement you made that just really struck me earlier, that you want to make music that, that sort of, at least what I heard you say was you want to make music that engages with, with big questions, sometimes tough questions. Like you're not going to shy away from the meaningful stuff or the heavy stuff, but you also want people to hear it and leave feeling energized to engage with that stuff as opposed to maybe depressed or bummed out or, or de-energized because it's too heavy. Is that right?
1: Exactly. You are nailing exactly what my goals are.
0: Why was that? What was important to you about, about that for this album?
1: (sighs) Oh, well, um, I think partly what was important to me about that for this album was that, you know, my band is called The Dance Cards. Yeah. And yet, um, I would say maybe the the previous album had been a little bit more, like, down-tempo and contemplative. Mm. Um, but also, I felt like... Well, we were sort of going through the beginning of this incredible reckoning that is still happening um, in 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 our society, like the sort of the 2016 election, or I guess it was, yeah, 2016 yeah, election. Yeah. Was was the beginning of a sort of uh, a, a, a reckoning from a of a, of a sleeping of a sort of thing thing that some of us weren't um super focused on in our society but that was there going mm. on mm. and we um you know another aspect of our society let's say people of color and um you know marginalized people uh, were very aware that <laughs> that this was going on so um but but it had become part of 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 common you know so uh what do you call it um it become part of everyone's awareness Yeah, and, and, and this reckoning was going on. And so how were, how are, how am I going to relate to that? I'm not just going to say, wow, that's going on in our, our daily lives all the time. I, I need a break from it. Mm-hmm. You know, music can often be like, people are like, Hey, when I do this, I want to break from that.
0: There's one way to relate to music, which is sort of music as a way to escape or as a way to just, yes kind of carve off some space away from the struggle and suffering and complexity of everyday life. Mm -hmm. And you, you came to this album "Bitter better with a conscious intention, not to have this be that kind of album, that it was an album where people would, you could engage with these, these tough questions with that complexity and anyone who's listening might also engage with it and be left with some kind of energy around it. Like, there's, a, there's this energy of activism almost I'm hearing in this yeah, album. Yeah, definitely.
1: Right? Definitely. Um, and and I would say like, because there's like, let's say there's like escapism, like the music, um, like what is a good, I can't even think of like what I would listen to when I like truly want to escape. But I, I think of as like, um, almost like. Uh, having a meditation or a spiritual practice or something like that um, leaves you feeling refreshed and recharged, but it's not because you uh, go out and drink with your friends and don't talk about your worries. It's because you, um, you carve out space and time without pressure to um, really feel the feelings and really think about your intentions and really, um, allow your, your head to go wherever it's going to go. Uh, and, and be, yeah, be, be, uh, find finding space and time to align with your intentions and that those things give you the recharge. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um, kind of having a, but, but, in the end, what, what we, what we decided was what, like, what is a thing that if if you're actually dealing with something sort of heavy um, for, for me, which this also happened to magically line up with the band name, the dance cards, (laughs) um, Laura Cortese and the dance cards was that if I'm ever feeling um, just really stressed or overwhelmed, it's always moving my body that, that that helps me come back to alignment and that could be you know going for a run or going for a walk but it could also be dancing like going out and and just like feeling um yeah moving to music and and talking to sam Casera about that you know he was like okay so like if if that's what we want like i think our focus is grooves and i think our focus is baselines those are the things that make people move their body and have that release or relief and the, and the hooky melodies, those things can have that. But the subject matter that you write about can, the topics that the songs are about can be something that marks a little bit of a guide as to what you're hoping someone thinks about when they're moving their body or mm. ask some questions that I'm asking that you're also going to pose to your listeners and then give them the space to have that contemplation. Mm. As they're moving their bodies, you know, mm. whether they're in their seats, just like rocking out or if they're in their house during a pandemic, dancing in their bedroom in their pajamas at two o'clock in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> Was that I love it. And the music absolutely. I mean, as a listener, when I engage with music, I think the music always hits me first and the lyrics, mm. the the sort of way I relate to the lyrics unfolds a- upon repeat listening, Yep. which, and, and so, and I'm, and so when I listen to bitter better, I can one, just attest to the fact that the music grooves, which is awesome. Nice. It's like, sounds so good. And it seems to me having now listened to a few of your albums that, that you, I don't know. I want to say pushing yourself. Cause it's not like you, like you've always cared about lyrics, but there just seems to me a way in which, and maybe it's just because we're talking about it right now, but it just seems like you really took, put a lot of care and attention into the lyrics too. Is that Absolutely.
1: right? Oh yes. I mean, in a lot of cases, these, these songs are co-written actually by mm. bandmates, um, you know, together where, where I had the beginning of an idea, the thing that I wanted to, to write about. But um, I mean, it was a goal to have the band co-write aside from, how complete a song was or not, but there were certain songs that were very personal to me that I really wanted to spend the craft time myself. And there were others that felt like this is, um, an idea that through conversation with bandmates, it's apparent to me that, that we can, we can share in the craft of it together. Um, because, you know, we're, we're in conversation about the idea of, you know, let's say, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but like what it means to lose uh, what it means to lose someone, um, the grief around that. And or um, or like what's another good song or just like uh, one of the songs. I mean, the song um, Treat You Better, which is sort of the title track to Better Better is is about sort of dysfunctional um, relationships. You know, we've all had them. (laughs) And and that, you know, I interviewed quite a quite a few people um, and, and various bandmates chimed in, you know, that was something more universal that was less about me contemplating something personal that I needed to address. And, um, and all of us just chatting about, you know, dysfunction and, and, and how, you know, what makes a, a relationship work and, and coming up with a set of, of lyrics that had a really strong rhythmic integrity um, but that also expressed the ideas we wanted to express
0: mm. Mm. was it I mean you're you're vo- from where I sit as a as a very amateur musician your playing has always sort of had a spark of virtuosity to it I mean you're just a really <laughs> talented skillful craftsperson with your instrument oh, with a fiddle you. but but all of you it seems like as a band you're you're pushing tradition what's traditional about these instruments and the way they're played to produce musically what you're aiming for seems like it would have been an even more like to really make some conscious choices about percussion and plucking versus Mm -hmm. bowing and like all of the really deep stuff to like get something that sometimes doesn't even sound like a fiddle. Right. Like that just it seems like you're getting a lot out of your instrument was that already a place you were at? Is that something you were like working on in terms of your, your, your capacity to, did, did writing this record challenge you to become a better player?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, every, every album does that. Um, or, or that's what I feel like is a mark of, mm. <laughs> you know, of, of me um, growing artistically as if, if the thing I'm doing is, is challenging me in that way. But that's one of the things that's nice about like working with Sam who is not a string player but has worked with string players in the past but um is you know he's very much thinking about um the sonic landscape of of the album and he's like well you you can have a conversation with him about like what kind of sounds are possible and show him some things and he can use specific words that were like, oh, how about this? You know, um, Mm. where you're not just, you're not just talking to other string players who are like, oh, why don't you, you know, use coleno like using fancy (laughs) string terms, you know, (laughs) it's, it's like, he's like, oh, I'm thinking of, I want you to sound like a moth, you know, like a moth. And then, and then you're like, and then Valerie is like on the cello. She's like, yes. Okay creepy moths. Okay, I think I got it. I got an idea. Check this out, you know. And and by oh, him awesome. not being you know just a just another string player, you kind of go down a different road. Um and I would say some of the the ideas that are on the album, you know, that they might actually have also come from Sam on like a a synth and then somebody doubled it on a fiddle and mm. that's why it has um you know a more surreal sound i mean it's we were all pretty much excited to explore you know what sounds our albums could make you know our instruments could make um we even started a couple songs by recording sounds on our instruments and having sam like build a rhythm track using those sounds as Uh, opposed to nice um, as opposed to us saying oh how about this rhythm or how about that rhythm it was like well here's a bunch of tones that our instruments could make and you build that rhythm track for, to go with this melody that i've already you know played you it's so genius yeah the song has a, an inherent rhythm and now he's choosing how to build that loop you know that it's kind of you know a, a conversation about what the soundscape is going to be
0: yeah one thing that's coming up as you share the process for this record, which which seems like a through line for you, or at least maybe in, in the past decade or so, you are someone who cares a lot, it seems to me, about community and about yes. about collaboration and about cross-pollination and about sort of inviting in unexpected voices and sounds, both literally in a musical context, but also more generally in a community context, to create something that is is more than the sum of its parts and i'm thinking about the celtic music festival i'm thinking about miles of music i'm thinking about this album and the way you're describing it like there's sort of a you're it sounds like you're as long again it's this north star thing you're not so precious about about i have to play my fiddle this way it's more like i know what i'm aiming for how do we collectively aim to that is that, is that yeah. right? Does that feel like true for you that you're someone who really thinks about community as part of this creative process? It's the, I
1: mean, it's really what, um, it's the reason I play the fiddle is actually just, uh, because when I, when I found fiddle music, I, you know, I went to this fiddle camp growing up as a, as a kid. And I figured out that what I liked about music was like sitting in a room and, having a shared repertoire and the chats that happen and going to the pool with those people and maybe, you know, having a costume party, like uh, things that were just about enjoying time with other people. Like that, for me, it wasn't like um, I want to win this competition or I want to be the best or um, even that, like, I have something that I really want to say. It was, I want to connect with these people. Mm. And sometimes you have to figure out what you want to say in order to connect with these people. Mm. But, but I would say that like my creativity is, is generated by an, an, an interest in other people and connecting with them and, you know, creating communities and, um, and that, you know, that's true. Even for me, it doesn't just work to be like, I wrote this song and I hired these players to come on the road with me to perform them for this audience. You know, like Mm -hmm. if I am going to go on the road with someone, I want to sit in the van and and contemplate big life's big questions and hear what they have to say about it. And I want those conversations to to some degree to come out on on stage and through our writing and that if I'm making music with these four, six, seven, eight people, all of our life experiences or, or the common ground of our life experiences should appear in this project. Mm. And maybe I'm the one that's saying, hey, I think this is a cool thing to explore. I'm giving us um, uh, a path to follow, but that that we would find a way to to explore it together. And of course, because it's Laura Cortesi and the dance cards, if we start to go in a direction that really feels inauthentic to me, I bring us back, Whereas if it's in a direction that feels really inauthentic to another player, they would really have to speak up to say like, uh, I, I can't get behind this. And and sometimes people do, you know, I, I do often bring all the songs to the whole group and we don't keep the ones that pe- that the group doesn't mm. find attention for mm. generally, unless I'm like, no, this is my heart and soul, guys, let me <laughs> convince you. But that's not usually where where I'm coming from, you know? It's usually more like, I got this little thing, and they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Or I play them a few things, and, and one of them is the one that everybody connects with, and another one nobody connects with, so it just sits over there, you know? <laughs>
0: I can sort of see a mirror for that, and in, in, in my experience with with going to miles of music one summer, which were like I, I can't wait for the day when people can all gather together yeah. on an island and play, you know, like and play music safely with each other. But there's this. Um, I mean, I, it's almost like I don't even know. I'm sure you're aware of it, but just to sort of speak from someone who's been on the other side, there's something really magical almost sacred about the way that this the people and the space and the way it's sort of curated and the way it's put together and the way that you could be you know and so just to say real quickly miles of music is this like summer camp for adults to to learn and play music it's like amazing it's like a wonderland right and it's on an island but there's a sort of way in which yeah (laughs) so there's this way in which you could be over at the main stage uh, at a time when there's a schedule of like this is happening at this time and go have this amazing experience but there's also a way in which you might be wandering one of the back paths of the island and walk past the cabin and hear two people playing music or a group of four people playing music and it's just like if you hadn't been there at that moment you would have missed this incredible spark this incredible kind totally. of totally Connection, and so it's sort of the like I hear you saying, like you're trying to just create spaces in the studio, on the island, at the festival, wherever where that kind of spontaneity is more likely to emerge. Absolutely, there's now kind of a structure for people to fill in. (laughs) Yes. Hi, sweetie.
1: We just gotta, we just gotta give her. She's gotta have a burp because if she doesn't, the burp. Oh, because if she doesn't
0: then it's
1: just that she spits it all back up you know life is good but she's not a fan she's not a fan of being interrupted halfway through a feed but I've learned I've had too many rounds of of food that we've lost out of the body
0: (laughs) yeah it's just not you don't want to lose that no
1: Mm. She's, she's gonna go for it right now oh there we go we got a little one, a bigger one. yeah yes success okay sorry um yeah so you, as you were saying you were saying about a wonderland you told you talked about miles of music but you had a question that was coming I, up
0: yeah there's just i'm noticing i'll, I'll wait till you get her set yeah exactly Two seconds. Two more seconds. Yeah, no worries. This is this is really fun, actually. You're (laughs) you're (laughs) you're impressive. Very impressive. I'm
1: like, this is my. I'm like, can I do my? Can I do things? Yes. Yes. We're almost there. Today she's like really good at holding on to things.
0: Oh, it's like grabbing the blanket or your okay, shirt. Yeah, yeah, but it's
1: like normally she doesn't. Um, normally she doesn't. But I think that's that's cool. New things you're doing. New things. Yeah, yeah. You want to eat? I know you do. That's sure why you're
2: complaining.
1: Oh, there's my telefono. Hmm. Ah, it's under my bum. Okay, great. Ah, here we are. We're back.
0: We're back. <laughs> we're back, everyone. We are back. Um, so, so most of this, yeah. most of this stuff will edit out just for flow, yeah. but like, also as Keep I listen, just like, life, yeah. yeah, I think because it just totally. is sort of this is the this is what the conversation we're having right now. Exactly. I guess what I was just so what I was tuning into was the idea of sort of structure uh, having enough structure for magic to happen I think is the idea and it seems to me that you're someone who's really good at that you're really good at creating a container whether that's like a a gathering or a festival or a summer camp or an album or a set of you know like whatever it is that invites other people in Mm -hmm. and and magic happens inside of that container
3: and wow, I wonder I if that's that. something you're <laughs>
0: conscious of, or if that's just like, yeah. How does it hear it when I when I share that with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, um, I the I the camp so the sort of camp that I grew up going to. I think that camp does that really well. You know, that was sort of my introduction in terms of community and, and whatever. Um, I would say that's exactly what happens there. You know, like you all show up to a place and your artistic director slash, you know, musical mentor, Alistair Fraser, he's selecting who's going to be there. And he's thinking about not in terms of the participants, but in terms of the the instructors. And he's thinking about um, what, what these people are going to bring and their different energies and, and how they, you know, he's like, Oh, I can't wait for so-and-so to meet so-and-so. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, my Kristen Andreassen who, who, she and I started uh, Miles and Music Camp together. She calls it vibe gardening.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> or she, ha-
1: or I. I think that's her. I think. I think that was her term. Um, but like that, you know, it's like when you, when you, when you throw a party uh, and you have, and you're making a guest list, and you're like, oh, those two people um, are having a feud. We can't invite them both on the same day. <laughs> or, or sometimes you're like ah, oh, the party's big enough. They can be adults. They can decide, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you're, you're thinking about the different personalities that are going to be there. You're thinking about um, how much space space you have. Um, you know, you, you have all these things that you're thinking about to be a host of, of something, whether it's a party or a, an event. And, and sometimes you you throw in a wild card. You're like, I don't know how those, those two elements are going to interact, but, it'll be i'm excited to see and sometimes you're like um these people already know each other i i you know they have a lot of space they they bring out the best in each other these kinds of things like i would say yeah that that like my my goal is to have a great time myself you know <laughs> um <laughs> and and so i'm often I'm thinking about what would, what would be the most fun for me, but then I'm also thinking about some of these people and thinking, Oh "Oh, gosh, they're going to love, I can't wait to introduce this person to these other people. Um, So I, I think it just stems back to that idea of, of being just energized by and enamored with community. Like I create that space because it's what nourishes me. And I, and I hope that it nourishes other people. And I'm a little bit like, if I can imagine it nourishing me or someone I know closely, then I can also imagine there will be people I have no idea who they are, who it will also nourish. I can't, I'm not going to, I, I can't always envision who might need it or want it. So I stick with the people that I know and, and create something that's going to make yeah, make a good time, good time for us. And, um, and it's, you know, extending a a little further, (laughs) you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's not to say that it's only the people I know. Like sometimes we do think like, um, who are we not serving that we wish we were serving and how do we, um, find a way to, to be better at serving, serving other, you know, Individuals and and how do we make it an inclusive space for people that aren't currently attending or you know thinking specifically about like marginalized groups? Um, how do we make it a safe space if that if someone is not actually already attending? Those yeah. are also you know things that we're thinking about, but. Um,
0: I love that you reach a place though, where you can consciously ask those questions because just by virtue of like, I want to make something that nourishes me and that I would have fun at mm-hmm. you make yeah. it. And then lots of people show up and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like this really does impact other people. And now, yeah. now I, now before I didn't have a thing, yeah, exactly. I had an idea now I have this thing and it's really yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> and actually it's cooler than I even realized because people are coming and telling me that it impacted them, whether it's a song exactly. or an experience. Yeah. So, and then how do I, now that I have the thing and I know that it matters to others, how do I invite those others who I might not otherwise have thought to? Yeah. Really
1: and, cool. and yeah. And, and yeah. And invite in, make it a space for, I think to myself, it's like, if someone is, is, is finding value in it, um, making it as accessible as possible for them to, yeah. to be part of it.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Laura, unfortunately, we're bumping up against our, our time boundary. Speaking of boundaries earlier. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> boundaries. Let's get to our time boundary.
0: <laughs> but um, I guess I just, one, want to say thank you for all of the ways in which you have stood for communities of art and creativity Mm -hmm. and and it feels like the mission that you articulated for this album uh, uh, an album that engages with the deep stuff but also energizes people is sort of like I sense there's a way in which you've been living that for a long (laughs) time and it's really cool
1: thank you I'm glad I mean yeah it's um it's I, we recently made a companion book for the new album that um, Ooh, cool. goes into uh, a lot of, you know, deeper, deeper backstory stuff, um, long history stuff. And it's interesting that like some of my bandmates are like, you know, are reading journal entries that I put in there. And they're like, oh, my God, I did not know that. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and yeah. and. and finding out like the personal backstory that might, you know, that I might be, um, that might be in play for me. That is about that duality of like the deep stuff, but also, um, you know, accessible and, 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 uh, nourishing what, you know, whether it's talking about my divorce, like I, I got divorced in 2013 and I don't think I talked about it mm. until this album. Wow. You know what I mean? I, that, that, and it's not to say that I didn't write songs about it before now, but I, it wasn't something that I wanted to be the defining discussion point of Mm. some of that previous work Mm. and now with enough space from it, but like, obviously it was in the background. Uh, And um, so I think, I think, yeah, it's um, finding that, that balance between, you know, going through the, the deep things that you're going through and, and, tending to the things you're thinking about in this real deep way while also um connecting um with people in a more light and joyful space yeah
0: beautiful thank you laura
1: thank you andy
0: if people want to find where should people go if they want to find your stuff online
1: www.thisislauracortese.com
0: mm. Don't go to some other Laura Cortese. Go to this one. This yeah, is
1: Laura This Cortese.
0: is <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. I can't wait for people to hear the album. Um, it's yes! just so good. It's so creative and hard to pin down. And yet Yay. draws from all of these amazing traditions and makes something new and special. So
1: Congrats awesome. on bringing
0: that musical baby into the world, bringing yeah. this human baby into the <laughs> yep, world. <human>
1: baby. <laughs> Currently feeding my human baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening.
1: I
3: come
2: from fruit trees, bowed down in autumn heat. Dry golden hills, laurel floating on the breeze. From rumbling earth and my grass. Suspension bridges that bow and sway I come from the ashes of what was
3: begun
2: What will begin
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serquoa, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now more than ever.